Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Edit Your Life podcast. I'm Christine Ko. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to declutter your home schedule and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. And we believe that baby steps are the key to getting there. Good morning, good morning. my dear. Hi. How's, go- How's it going? Well, I, I, I'm good. I, I think I'm hoping I'm sounding um, a bit more normal because just moments ago I was sobbing on the phone to you. So. <laughs> Just another day at the office. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listeners, what you don't know is that when we record, you know, sometimes we just get on and we're like, hey, hey, let's record. And then other times we talk for a really long time and then we record. This morning we had things to talk about. And that's really great. And that's one of the things that I love about this podcast is that it just gives us a weekly, uh, like this really amazing weekly touch point. Yeah, a weekly touch point. And yeah, I think uh, I think I've only cried on, on the pod- podcast live just like once, maybe twice. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, anyway, so I have been wanting to have Casey Brown on this show for at least six months, possibly nine months. And I'm just really thrilled we finally made it happen. Um, Casey is an amazing human being. We actually first met through blogging circles, uh, though our friendship has really gone well beyond that um, over the last couple of years. And honestly, among various things, I credit Casey with like really, really transforming my communication as it relates to using gender neutral pronouns. And I'm just really excited for listeners to hear this interview today. Yeah, I think this is just an amazing interview. And You know, I have heard you talk about Casey so much over the years. I've seen you in pictures and and, uh, you know, the warmth and the trust and the friendship between the two of you really comes through in this conversation. And, you know, it's such an easygoing conversation about a topic that is confusing for some people, gender Mm -hmm. identity and language. I think it's something that um, people are learning about, people are navigating, and I just find it so refreshing to have just a conversation between friends about this topic. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's great. It's great for people to just hear that, um, that ease. Yeah, it's, you know, so much of, well, I guess I'll just say straight up. I know it, it can be really hard for many people when you're talking about anything related to sex and gender, certainly as parents, you know, everybody kind of dreads like having those talks. Um, you know, whether it's about puberty or sexual identity or gender identity, 
I know it can be really, really hard. And it occurs to me that, you know, gender identity more so because while everyone is dealing with puberty, not necessarily, you know, not everyone will necessarily question their gender identity. And a lot of this language is new to people. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm, what I'm saying is, even though this may be a topic that you haven't really come up on personally, or you've been a little like hesitant about, I just really encourage you to listen to the episode in entirety. Um, one of the really wonderful things Casey translated during our conversation was that, you know, ultimately effectively and compassionately communicating with other human beings, it just boils down to some really, really simple universals and actions. So I really loved that. Absolutely true. And I think one of the other really important things that Casey pointed out was that that our language naturally evolves and that we evolve as users of language. And I think that's something that we don't often remember. Um, Mm -hmm. We just fall back on on how we use the language growing up or whatever. But if you really start thinking about it, we, we do talk differently now than we used to about all sorts of different things. And Evolving the way that we think and talk about gender simply means there's more room for us to actually communicate with each other. So I am thrilled that we that you and Casey had this conversation and that we can share it with our listeners. Mm -hmm. So just before we continue and get to that interview, we just want to remind you that with every new podcast episode comes a related conversation prompt on the Edit Your Life Show Facebook page. And this week's question is what topic do you find most challenging to talk about with your kids? Uh, There are so many, aren't there? There are (laughs) Uh, so many. Well, we would like to hear from you about that. So go to facebook.com slash edit your life show and look for the question of the week, which is pinned to the top of the page. Wonderful. And, you know, I know we say we say this frequently, but man, it's it's really fun chatting with people on those threads about all manner of things. So Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely drop your topics in there. I would love to hear them as well. And let's get to our interview with Casey. As you know, I am all about micro improvements. And if you'd like to dedicate a little time each day to learn a language, I have a great solution for you. Babbel is a science-backed language learning app that offers 10-minute language lessons designed to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Materials are rooted in real-life situations, so you can learn important basics such as ordering food and asking for directions. Babbel offers personalized learning content, real-time feedback, tracking, and visualizations, and their speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. No matter what level you are looking for, casual, intense, or something in between, you can enjoy app lessons, podcasts, and live classes from the comfort of your home on your schedule. Here's a special limited time deal for Edit Your Life listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for Edit Your Life listeners at babbel.com slash edit. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash edit. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash edit. Rules and restrictions may apply. Especially in this digital age, since we're well beyond handwritten journals and letters to convey history, The preservation of stories is so important, especially from the moms and mom figures in our lives. And if you've been looking for a way to collect those stories but aren't sure how to start, I have a recommendation for you. StoryWorth makes it easy. Every week, they email a loved one of your choosing a question prompt that you pick. For example, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? And what aspects of having children didn't turn out the way you expected? 
Your loved one responds to that email with a story of any length. You will receive copies of these emails as they are submitted, and after one year, StoryWorth compiles the stories and any photos provided into a keepsake book. A friend recently shared how moving it was that her mom gifted copies of her StoryWorth album to immediate family members, a genius idea for expanding the preservation and sharing of those stories to people in different households and generations. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years, StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com edit. That's storyworth.com edit to save $10 on your first purchase. Casey Brown, I, I am just so excited to talk to you today. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I'm just, you know, this is something that Asha and I have wanted to talk about for a while. And I know that I emailed you maybe like, I don't know, six or nine months ago about coming on the show. So I'm finally glad we're making it happen. I'm, I'm glad we're finally making it happen, rather. Definitely. Me too. Yeah. So let's dive right in um, because I know I want to be mindful of your time. So I just want to start with a little context um, for our listeners who might not already know of you. So I will link up this post in the show notes. But this past fall, um, you have a great blog called lifewithrusal.com. And you referenced in a blog post the fact that you had spent the last 17 years coming out. And, you know, that line especially just kind of made me stop and catch my breath because 17 years, you know, that's a long time to work on bringing yourself into the world. And I would just love if you can share, you know, as much as you're willing, um, some context about what that path has been like for you. Sure. Um, I think, you know, for me, it's, it really makes a lot of sense that it would take 17 years because, um, it, you know, language evolves, right? And even if you think about the language that you use today is a lot different than the language that you used about anything 17 years ago, about even the things that you liked. You know, we used different words instead of saying awesome all the time or magical unicorns, which are some of your favorite things to say, <laughs> you know, you never would have said that 17 years ago. You had different catchphrases and whatnot. And I think that the way that we've come to understand identity um, works the same way, that language evolves with culture and societal norms and that kind of thing. And so gender evolving makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, at first it felt super scary, you know, that I was like, am I going through a phase? Why am I changing all the time? Why do I, mm. you know, and, and I think that's been really hard for my family and people who are close to me to understand that they do, it does look like going through phases or changing too much. Um, and, and that I hate that part of it because I wish I could just stop and be myself, but that's not really the way that anything works. I think that all of us are evolving. We're just evolving in, in, you know, you might, someone who identifies pretty much the same way their whole life, they're still evolving and changing their ideas about politics, about finances, about education. You know, we're always getting better, I would hope, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think mm -hmm. that just gender and sexuality and that kind of stuff just really works the same way as anything else. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I love that you brought up, um, even though I wish I had been talking about unicorns 17 <laughs> years ago, and I was not, but that, you know, the language is evolving. And I think one of the greatest gifts of parenting right now is that 
our kids have these terms and we can give them to them and they can, you know, it can improve their understanding about diversity in the world. That's actually one of my favorite things. And I think, you know, I love talking to my kids about anything related to sex and gender and whatever. And they're always like, oh my gosh, are we, are we done yet? But um, (laughs) I think, I think it's great that we have, have this new vocabulary now. It's, it's really awesome. Um, Okay. So Riley, um, your daughter's uh, seven or eight, seven, eight right now. Eight, eight and a half. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay. So I'm just curious about, um, kind of where you were at when Riley was born and, you know, did becoming a parent where, how did your transitions around gender identity and your lens on it, um, you know, did parenting alter that at all? Parenting definitely altered it, especially because I was pregnant. And I think that, you know, I I didn't really, as a person, I have a gender neutral name. Even my middle name is Lee. You know, I, I've never really had to confront this like female identity fully um, until I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, you are a woman. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> but, but I didn't have the language really to explain why, because I don't identify as male. And so then I was like, well, where am I and what is happening? And so instead of fighting against that, because I didn't have the words for it, really, I just felt totally trapped and decided to go 100% in for all the gender norms of being a mom and being pregnant and doing all, got every library book that I could and just tried, I, you know, learned how to cook better. I learned how to clean the house better and become really super organized and just became obsessed with this like ideal woman that I, an ideal mom, you know, that I could understand. Um, and followed it a hundred percent, which of course just made me feel horrific. <laughs> you know, yeah. on the other side, but I didn't, I didn't really know what to do when confronted so face to face with this identity that I had rejected so casually, you know? Well, so then this, this whole thing, idea, just like envisioning you going through this process is kind of blowing my mind. But then, so when, at what point, you know, in your parenting, did you feel like, okay, I can, I can be myself, you know, I don't have to identify with all this like woman stuff like how did when did that happen it happened when Riley started to grow up Mm -hmm. and she started to see me for who I really am and um at one point we were we were getting dressed up for something to get dressed fancy or something and I put a shirt and tie on and a uh you know button down whatever and she looked at me and goes oh you look so handsome Mm. and that was her, you know, and Riley is the sparkliest, fanciest kid. She would, you know, choose a skirt to wear based on how it twirled, not based on pattern. So she was just super, super fancy. And she saw me so clearly as handsome, as something separate from what what she knew and what she liked for herself. You know, she saw us as different somehow before I was able to see that. Oh my gosh, that's that's incredible. And yes, I will link up your Instagram too because really Riley is the fanciest. Um <laughs> the fanciest out there. Well, so this is actually leading to me me to a couple questions I wanted to ask you related to kids. And you know, one of the things I'm reminded of time and again is that really most of the times I feel like adults kind of get in their own way and get bound up in whatever issues they have related to communicating without with kids about stuff that's 
you know, seems a little awkward or whatever. So I would love if you have any really just practical, simple tips for parents who want to start a conversation with their kids about gender identity, but have just kind of been struggling to figure out how to start it. Um, I think that we, we got to make it a lot more simple than it is. And, you know, with identity politics that has shown up, you know, we've gotten so caught in saying the right things. Cause if you don't say the right words at the right time, then you're offending all different types of people. And we've all become, you know, hyper vigilant for the right language, but I feel like it's actually hurting us, not helping us, especially with our kids, because we're so scared that our kids are going to say the wrong thing, or we're going to teach them the wrong thing that we end up not teaching them all the things that we really would like to be talking to them about. And so I think we got to strip it way, way, way back, you know, and get back to just like the basic idea of, I want you to be yourself. And if we really focus on that with our kids, that I want you to be yourself and what is your best self, then there's room for like, I want you to be your best self. What's going to be your gender presentation and being your best self? What's your friend's gender presentation if they are being their best self? You know, instead of, you know, girls rule the world. That's great. But some girls don't want to. And when we keep, you know, especially with my kid, if you, you would, Christine, as a person who knows my kid from the outside, would see her as this fierce kid who's going to take on the world. But the reality is that my kid's kind of a Velcro kid and she holds back a lot for a long time at the beginning and then she'll Mm -hmm. go change the world. Right. But if I'm there telling her she's going to change the world and telling her to be brave, what I'm really telling her is that I don't want her to be herself, which is attached to my leg for 20 minutes when we walk in a room. You know, and yeah, and I think that we really got to get back to that message of be yourself, and I want your friends to be themselves, and I want everyone to know that they're welcome here with us. And yeah, you you use the term um a lot. I've seen it frequently pop up in your writing um, of like um something like can we can we give each other more room? More room, or, for sure. Yeah. We need more room. And I feel like that's like the underpinning of so much of parenting. One of the, uh, I don't know if you heard it yet, but um, one of the episodes we did a couple episodes ago was with Jess Leahy about untangling over parenting. And I just feel like, man, it's, it's just, it's the common thread that, that runs through everything is just step back and, and give people some room. It's so important. Yeah. And we got to give, and the problem is with gender is that it evolves. Right. And so what I was talking about my own journey, like if I was given some room, then I wouldn't feel like I need to keep coming out to, you know, every three years because Mm -hmm. there would be room for me to just evolve as my, you know, as I work stuff out and as I learn who I am. And so we got to do that with our kids and give them way more room and check in with them about pronouns, check in with them about what feels good in their body. Hey, I noticed you've been wearing more leggings than skirts. So is that, does that feel better on your body? Like, you know, can we talk a little bit more about that and talk more, uh, just say like, yeah, we teach our kids. There's no such thing as a boy toy or a girl toy, but we can also ask them like, does it, does that feel like that for you? Because what about the little girl who wants to play with trucks because they like that it's a boy toy and they feel that that's part of their identity. You know, we don't want to reject that too, because we're trying to change the world. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we touched on, um, we touched on this just a little bit ago, but um, I wanted to talk a little bit more because I feel like in so many instances, kids really are our teachers. And you wrote a really beautiful post um, that I'll link up in the notes about lessons that Riley taught you about gender identity. Um, and it just, you know, when you when you translate these conversations through your writing, it's it's always so moving to me, you know, because these kids are so little. So, you know, I know that moment. um where she said, you know, you look handsome is, was a big one, but are there other things that Riley has taught you or, you know, done to help you see yourself more clearly? Oh, definitely. Riley will only use they, them pronouns for everyone until she gets to know them and asks them what pronouns they use, no matter who they are. So it could be someone in a hijab and she's walking down the street and she'll say, they look so awesome in that hijab. I love the pattern. And, you know, and she would never assume that that person identifies as a girl, even though they're in a hijab, which I'm always mm-hmm. like, Riley, I think you can make some assumptions occasionally. And she refuses. She won't ever do it, you know, and, and I learn a lot from that because I learn like, you know what, there are lots of people who are dressed in the standard expectation of what they should look like who feel totally different inside. And Riley can see that. She sees a guy in a suit and she's like, well, I don't know if they like to wear a dress on the weekends. I don't know if they would really like us to call them something different. And maybe they can't because of their job or their family. And so that really like her, she has taken that a lot further than, than I was ever able to. And, and it helps me to see people as people. Yes. Yes. I think, I think I read something like something you had written where you were saying, you know, I don't, I don't want to be identified as a, it it was just saying, I just want to be identified as a person, you know, or a parent, like it doesn't have to get complicated. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support, hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal. Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Um, But since you mentioned pronouns and I'm sort of, I just, I love that openness that Riley has about it. I actually wanted to hit on that because they are super important and really, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I credit you enormously with helping me on this front. You know, I'm a direct person. I'm always wanting to learn. (laughs) And I remember we were together at one point, maybe in an airport or something. Probably. And I said, you know what? Probably. That's where we hang out is at the airport. But I was like, you know, I know I'm probably going to mess up periodically, but I really, please help me with pronouns and how to use them because I want, I want to, I want to get this right, you know, and I, I want to be respectful and I want to, I just want to do this. And so you were just so clear and direct and it took like, you know, to the point of keeping it simple, it took like 10 seconds or something and it completely changed the way I communicate. So first, thank you. And then second, can you share, I don't know if you even remember, but I'm sure you can drum something up, but share your pronoun 101 with our listeners. Cause I, it was just so helpful to me. Sure. I mean, uh, product. So I'm, I identify as non-binary. So that's neither na- male nor female. And I use they, them pronouns and neutral words. So parent, person, um, those type of words. And the biggest thing I think is, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a war about pronouns, right? If a, if a person is a trans guy and he has a beard and he has a hat on and, and he's wearing a suit and tie, no one's going to have any kind of problem with he, him pronouns for that person. Right. And so that's sometimes the argument that I see a lot about the bathroom debate, you know, and when we're talking about pronouns, we're really not talking about the people who have been on hormones for a really long time and socially passed. It's really these people in the middle. So when you look at me, you you might not be sure what pronouns I would use, or you might assume that I would use she, her pronouns. Um, and then I have to explain that I use they, them pronouns. And it's, a lot of times I end up in these huge arguments with people. Well, they, them, you can't use singular they. It's a grammatical thing. It's no offense to you. I just grammatically, I, I don't feel like it works and I'm a writer. And, you know, it, people come first is the number one rule, right? So grammatical error doesn't come before humanity. And as mm-hmm. people, we want to affirm each other. That's what we're here for. That we're here to be in community with one another and to learn from one another, not to correct each other's grammar, um, especially when it comes to their identity. So also, singular they was the word of the year in 2016, I believe. So singular they isn't going anywhere. And if anything, it's about to explode if it hasn't already. Um, so our kids are going to be using singular they way more than we ever had. But the other thing is, I feel like, is to dial that back a little bit and think about the fact that you use singular they in your everyday language. If you are in sitting in traffic and someone is driving in front of you and they are somehow a jerk, they slam on their brakes, 
They don't use a blinker and they turn. You are absolutely going to yell at them and use singular they pronouns, 100%. Mm -hmm. And and I can't believe they didn't use that blinker. What is wrong with them? You're not going to think about that for one second. Yeah, I'm so glad you shared that example. That was exactly the one I had been thinking of from the airport. And, I, and that was the that was the click moment where I was like, oh, right. Okay, this is actually really easy. Right. <laughs> you know, you prove to yourself, and if you think about that, that you know how to do this. You, you mm-hmm. know. Maybe this is, You're, maybe it's easier in Massachusetts because we have lots of bad drivers in front so of us. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. Um, no, but anyway. Yeah, you that, see someone drop their wallet in front of a grocery store, you're very likely going to say, oh, no, they dropped their wallet. You know, that's just what mm-hmm. you're going to say, no matter what. And, mm-hmm. and everybody does it. I hear it in commercials even all the time. And it's never, ever about some queer person. It's always about someone that you can't see that's, that's not on camera. And we have to take that and say, okay, we're done having this conversation about singular they. We all use it. So now we have to use it and we should really be using it way more. We should be using it more in general just to make more room for one another. But also we should definitely be using it for any kind of queer people. And you know what? We all work at jobs where now most big companies have policies where trans people get hired. They're not allowed to be discriminated against. It's, they're not allowed to be fired. There's all kinds of really cool stuff happening for us trans people, but it's going to make a whole lot of cis people feel super uncomfortable if they're suddenly working with someone who maybe even their boss who uses they them pronouns and they're unprepared for that. And so I think it's, it's really useful for all of us to practice and get used to this so that we, you know, don't screw up and hurt someone's feelings, but also or get in trouble at work or make your kid's best friend feel terrible or like they don't feel comfortable in your house after school. You know, like that's, that's not your intention. That's not what you want when you're having a, an argument about grammar, but that's the reality mm-hmm. of the consequence of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's really really so helpful. So so thank you for sharing that. Um, So I wanted to pivot and talk about something. So you know that I work with this organization called amaze.org. It's like a sex ed resource provider. And one of the things we talk about so much, like so much, because it's so important is, um, you know, how important it is for kids to have trusted adults, because, you know, especially as they get a little older and things get more complicated and more awkward, like they're not always going to want to talk to their parent. That's the reality. And, um, you know, I have a 13 year old and I've talked to her about how like, okay, like who would that be for you? And, and, um, you know, let's, let's, it's totally okay for you to have a conversation with somebody else. So actually Asha wanted me to ask about this question. Um, you know, what advice would you give to adults, um, for how to really be there for kids who may be wrestling with gender identity issues and they, you know, be it with their peers or their own families, you know, so if somebody comes to you and says, you know, Hey, I want to talk to you about something like how, how can we as parents do better and do a really good job, you know, be really being there for these kids. I think that it's really important for us to have, um, friends that are trans and be in relationship with people or even read blogs from trans people or magazine articles or something like that. And so that when a kid walks into your house, you can say, Oh, I know someone like that. 
And that's going to, more than anything else, that's going to affirm them and make them think, okay, I'm safe here. You know, 41% mm-hmm. of all trans people have tried to commit suicide. Like we, there's, that's a huge number and that is wow. way too high. And a majority of those people did that as teenagers. So there's, that's a crisis, right? And we have to do better. Mm-hmm. And instead we're having these conversations about, oh, identity politics, let's not offend everyone or what's going on with the trans bathroom issue. No, 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 no. We have to back way up and we have to Google what, what does it mean to be transgender? We have to talk to our kids openly. We have to teach our kids uh, if there is someone that's in that bathroom that, you know, looks like they don't belong, just say hi to them and introduce yourself. You know, it's like really clear and let them know that they're okay. Yeah. Because you're actively saving a life (laughs) when you do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That that could be the difference for them. And these kids very often don't have access to hormone therapy or gender affirming therapy or doctors or, you know, anything. And your family could be it. And that could be the turning point for their actual life. Yep. And I don't think that a lot of straight people and cis people fully understand that aspect of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm going to link up um, in the notes. I, I did this and I, I, I know that you saw it, but um, a really, really great Facebook live I did on parenting a transgender child with actually an old um, middle school classmate of mine who, you know, she was really talking about, um, you know, what, what it's been like and how much, you know, how much of the puzzle is, is really just people being open, people listening and, you know, shifting their perspective or, or shifting, opening their mind from what they kind of know, you know, as an existing framework for life. So I think that's so important. And, you know, that actually leads me to um, another question I have for you. You know, I'm, I'm always kind of like, okay, so what can we do next? You know, how, what has worked best for you and Riley, um, you know, regarding communication about your family system to your school and community? I guess I'm curious about how families, whether or not they have somebody in their household who identifies, you know, as trans or what have you, um, how families in general can best advocate, you know, in schools and communities for, you know, more openness and, and dialogue and options for people. Um, Riley's in Boston Public School. She's in third grade right now. And I just came out as trans like a year and a half ago, two years ago, I guess. Um, And I immediately wrote a letter to the principal just because she was in second grade or maybe finishing up first grade at the time. And I was afraid that she would start writing papers about me and use they, them pronouns singular and then be corrected and Mm -hmm. have her little tiny heart completely destroyed to have, you know, red pen on her perfectionist paper and also have it be about a pronoun. I think that would really be the end of her um, (laughs) knowing Riley. So the principal was totally ready for this. I mean, they, there aren't um, any trans kids in the school currently, but they are absolutely ready for it. And I think that a lot of schools, especially in Massachusetts are, are prepared um, or working on it. And I think that parents can check in with the school and see where they're at with that. If they have an all gender bathroom, if they have access to one, if they need it, um, 
and, you know, what they're doing to talk about gender in general with kids, because this is, this is really the time when kids start thinking about that in elementary school. Um, my daughter's school has books in every classroom about gender identity stuff too. And so I just check in with the teacher every year and, you know, tell them my pronouns and tell them what Riley calls me and everything else. And then Riley takes it from there, but she, she likes it if I lay that groundwork first. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it would be super important if other um, families would be checking in with the schools too, and just saying, what are you going to do if there's a transgender child and what support system do we have? And, and how can I learn from that? Because I think the schools actually have a lot of resources to teach parents how to talk about gender and gender identity, because a lot of them have been trained for it now um, in, you know, in some of the more progressive states, I would say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, so related, I, I just have a couple more questions before we um, finish up. And one of them is, do you have any favorite resources, you know, kids books, books for parents, websites, whatever, for parents who, you know, want to learn more and, and kind of figure some of this stuff out and, and just your favorite stuff? Um, my absolute favorite book is What Makes a Baby, which is not about trans stuff at all. Um, but that has been the most perfect book for jumping off. We have, we don't get through a single page without talking for 20 minutes every single time we read it. And we've been reading it since Riley was a baby, just because it's a a super inclusive book. And it, it talks about bodies that have sperm and bodies that have a uterus. And some bodies look like this that have a uterus, but some don't. And it's just, the most inclusive book about how babies are made and, and how each kid, you know, like who wanted you and was it, was it the family that adopted you or was it this family or was it this configuration? And, and it's a really great book to, even if it's a family that has, you know, two straight parents and no siblings or whatever, the most um, normative, I can't even think of the word normative. That's how insane I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the most normative, you know, family structure, whatever that means, will still have so much to talk about in this book. Um, and it makes you realize that even a normative family, everyone has different types of bodies, right? And we're, we're all different shapes and sizes. We're all different. We all express ourselves in different ways. Like we were talking about earlier, we all use different language that we like that, that makes up our personality and our identities, and all of that stuff. And all of that comes together to make you who you are. And I think that 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 theme is really, really important. So yeah, that's definitely my favorite book. And I also like Red, which is a a crayon story. And it's about a a crayon that's, uh, I think it's blue, but it has a red wrapper. And the whole story is just how the the family of the crayon is trying to get the crayon to do all kinds of red things and everything the crayon does is blue. And then the the crayon meets someone new and, and that friend says, can you draw the ocean for me? And then the crayon draws the ocean and realizes, Oh my gosh, maybe I'm blue. Maybe I've been blue all this time. (laughs) I didn't know. I thought I was trying, I just thought I was a failure at being red, you know? And then the whole, crayon box 
accepts this crayon as being blue and it's really, really beautiful and cute. And it's great for all ages too, because that can be a really simple explanation of gender or even just like, Hey, be who you are. We're not going to make you someone else Mm -hmm. for a two-year-old up all the way through, you know, Riley still reads it all the time in third grade. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. I will definitely link those, those up in the notes. Um, you know, Casey, this has been so awesome and so illuminating and I'm just, I can't wait to share it with everybody. Um, but um, I know we need to wrap. And so at the close of each show, Asha and I share something that we call Your Next Edit, which is an actionable tip that listeners can take away, um, something they can just implement right away. So I would love to know what your next edit is as it relates to our conversation today. Um, so for me, I've started to try to do this. And I think that it would be really helpful if everyone did that. You know, when you're, when you're trying to think of what to say, you, you ask, it's pretty common to ask, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? I don't even know where that comes from. Um, but I really like that in general. I try to, especially at work when I'm frustrated and trying not to respond to an email too harshly, I'll try to ask myself <laughs> those three questions. And I think it's really important that we add, is it affirming? And you know, Mm -hmm. we can add that on to the things that we do and the things that we say that am I, am I being affirming to this person? Is this person a gender non-conforming person? If they are, maybe I can tell them that I really love the pattern of their skirt or their makeup or their fingernail polish. You know, whenever I see a little boy with sparkly fingers, I always, I always tell them that I love it so much, you know, because I want to go out of my way to be affirming. Um, of that, of that unconventional way of, of expressing, expressing gender and identity, you know, and, and it doesn't mean that that kid is trans at all, but I just want to be affirming that they're, they're doing something a little bit different. And I, I think that we could all find small ways. We don't have to change the world. We don't have to understand trans 101 and read all the books and do all the big, hard stuff. We can just find little ways to be more affirming to someone at the pharmacy or, or literally anywhere, you know, there are gender nonconforming people everywhere we go, whether or not they identify as trans and they could all use a lot of affirmation. I think that is the perfect way to close. And I, I just love it. We should put it, that on a shirt. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know somebody. Um, Well, Casey, thank you so much. I mean, I always love talking to you. I always love hanging out at the airport with you, all of the things. And um, I hope we can see each other in person too. But meanwhile, thank you so much for, you know, sharing yourself so um, candidly and wonderfully today. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. We should do this all the time. All the time. (laughs) Take care. So, wow. That was just great. And I mean, not only is Casey amazing, but Riley sounds pretty fascinating and incredible, too. I that one of my favorite things about listening to them talk was to think about kids and their the fact that they don't necessarily have the um, barriers to concepts and ideas that we do. And I've seen in my own life that um Kids, including older kids, just seem to have less difficulty than adults with pronouns and language evolution and just basically seeing past categories to our common humanity. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like Riley is like 
inclusivity goals. <laughs> and I've actually met her and she is just a, just as adorable in person um, as she is in the photos you see online at, at Casey's Instagram. But I will say, I just, I wanted to cry. I, I may have, I, I can't remember exactly, but um, I just wanted to cry when Casey talked about Riley as the catalyst for self-acceptance. I just, I mean, right. come on. Yes, exactly. The That story about being handsome really just Ah, it was just beautiful. It was just beautiful. I found myself um, going straight into that story and trying to imagine what it looked like to be in that moment with them. Pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, self-acceptance is, is so huge. And I think it's really important to very clearly point out that trans and gender nonconforming kids, they face really alarming levels of bullying and harassment. And they struggle to find safe places just to be who they are and live day-to-day -day life. And just by expanding our language habits, we help create those places. And it, it, it seems maybe like a pronoun could be a small thing, but it is so not a small thing. It's huge. As Casey said, it could even save a life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and being, I think, you know, boiling it down to the fact that just a simple act of reaching out to somebody, you know, how huge that can be, I, I think is everything. I mean, I think that that is a thread, obviously, for this specific topic, but I feel like also just generally in life. Oh, absolutely. Just basically through your actions, uh, communicating to somebody that you see who they are and you you see who they are in 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 their, you know, wholeness. That That is just mm -hmm. huge. I think that's what we all want. Um. So there was one little thing I just thought I would point out before we close up, and that was a particular word that Casey used in case listeners aren't familiar with it. So they talked about people who are cis. And I'm wondering if people, uh, some people might not know what that means. And so for those who have never heard the term cis, um, it's short for cisgender, C-I-S, C-I-S gender. And it means when someone's gender um, lines up with the sex they were assigned at birth. So, for example, um, I am a cisgender woman. I, you know, was uh, it, it those two gender identities line up for me. And so that means that I'm cisgender. So that's what that means. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's I'm glad you pointed that out. And actually, that reminds me, um, you know, the, the terms can be a little confusing to keep track of. And I think if if you're not using them and haven't been exposed to them, and that is nothing to be embarrassed about. Nothing so, yeah. So actually, that reminds me, you know, my client, Amaze.org, who I think I mentioned during the interview, they have like a really, a, maybe two, um, but at least one good primer video just on terms. So I'll link that up in the notes in case anyone just wants to have a quick look at that just to get, you know, get the terms like into the into the brain flow a little, you know, and you can watch it with your kids, too. Right, right. And, you know, it's one thing to know the terms and it's another thing to use the terms. And I think it's one of those things where we can all feel fine about messing up with terms and pronouns. And sometimes we'll use the wrong one and get corrected. And it's really OK. I think the important thing is that we are open to <clears throat> understanding that it's, you know, that it's an important thing to do. Um, it's a it's a it's a human thing to do and it's not a big deal. So so that's what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, you will find the show notes for this episode, including links to all the resources we've mentioned at edityourlifeshow.com. 
and be sure to drop by our Facebook page, facebook.com slash edit your life show to answer our question of the week. What topic do you find most challenging to talk about with your kids? Thanks for listening. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking